sales of apartment buildings broke records during the pandemic when rents soared to record levels. So the question is always the same. How do I get into real estate investing if I have no money? How do I find deals? How do I negotiate deals? How do I find contractors and manage rehabs? How do I get the money to even buy these houses, to hold these houses? How does a rental work? How do you manage a rental? How do you manage tenants? How do you borrow money? How do you borrow money with almost no interest? How are all these things done and how are they done the right way? Well, I am John Barbera, and this is an investor's journey where we share with you how to invest in real estate the right way and how to get into it with no money, how to do this with real tactics that are working today in the market that we're in right now with things that we are personally doing. So welcome to the show. Prices of apartment buildings rose even more rapidly as investors bet that rents would continue to rise in the future. So the prices of apartment buildings went up higher just because they were betting that the rents were going to go up higher. Talk about speculation. According to uh, CBRE Group, the annual volume of rental apartment purchases has nearly doubled between 2019 and 2021. In the first quarter of 22. Uh, investors spent $63 billion on apartment buildings, the highest figure on record. Two things that happened recently that make finding uh, future profits more challenging. Investors have started buying apartment buildings at prices that have risen so fast that their rate of return is decreasing. So prices paid for apartment buildings during the first quarter of this year increased by 22.4%. Wait, say that again? Prices, prices increased by what? Prices paid for apartment buildings during the first quarter of this year increased by 22.4%. That's in a quarter. That's in not in a year. In one quarter. Yes. During the same quarter of uh, last year. So negative leverage is what they're starting to, what, what they call this. The cool term. Is, yeah. So <laughs> negative n- leverage. N- not, not cool to have as part of your investment strategy, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So negative leverage, interest rates then rose sharply. Multifamily initial returns rates have fallen a percentage point or more from their interest rate on their mortgages. So you have interest rates rising and their mortgage has gone up a, you know a percentage point so that's ridiculous well because that's a ridiculous change ridiculous go ahead okay uh no word it's something i just thought of where we always talk about like what's the difference between multifamily and single family it's a discussion we've been having recently when we're looking to get into multifamily and uh do different things um I would say that it's it's very hard to compare single family to multifamily because there's two different loan products and two different buyers. Multifamily, it's investors selling to investors. You don't have a single family mom and dad with two kids trying to buy an apartment complex for their long-term house. They also get completely separate loan products to where it's very hard for us as single family residential investors to compete with a multifamily when you have different buyers on each side Mm -hmm. meaning i have to compete with returns against multifamily when their only buyer is other investors on our side and the loan product they can get on that side they're getting commercial loans with a whole different level of speculation they're usually 25 year fixed 20 year fixed with a five-year balloon and a whole different slew of stuff on our side single family we have to compete with buyers that can get a 30-year fixed rate loan 
and it's unheard of in the commercial space. Now up to 40 years. And now up to 40 <laughs> years and stuff like that. We have a buyer on our side that we have to compete with on the purchasing price that drive our returns down because it drives the housing prices up because of the type of payments they can pay to get houses. But now the caveat to that is when interest rates spike, prices go up so damn much that brings down the price of multifamily and we on the single family side still have this buyer over here that can pay a higher price because they have a completely different purpose and loan product they can get for that house. Meaning that single family residential, in my mind, can be a little more stable than what multifamily does oh, yeah. because we have a different buyer in our market that can access a completely different loan product for a different, complete different reason for purchasing where Years, a mom and pop isn't buying a house to live in their entire year or multifamily live in their house for entire year or yeah. years, their life. We do on our single family side. So it's a very interesting dynamic. I just thought of when you started reading yeah. that, I'm like, yeah, that's actually the advantage of single family. We've been talking about for years of like, we have way more liquidity in our market to sell if interest rates spike because people still need a place to live. Right. And, and this is not to say like always don't get into multifamily. This is just to say, understand what you're getting into before you get into it. Don't get into it like freaking Bitcoin just because everybody's saying it's the next hot thing if you don't understand why you should be owning that or why you should be investing in it. So it, go, it goes on to say that, you know, because of these higher interest rates, this means that landlords make less money on their buildings than their banks. So their banks, banks are making more money than the people that own the building, <laughs> even though the people that own the building yeah, with are taking five more and risk. Half, but your cap is five. It's like, yeah. yeah, they're making so, more money. So this has uh, not been widespread since the subprime crisis when defaults on apartment building loans increased. Investors haven't learned their lesson from the years before 2008 when buyers overpaid for buildings and suffered when financial markets yeah, crashed. I disagree with that. Right but, there. It's like, I don't think, I think the investors that live through that learn their lesson. The problem is you have this slew of new people getting into this that didn't experience that. They're only right. chasing the hot topic and the money, not understanding what the past was. And they're so eager just to get that deal, to get that contract, to raise that money. So in my mind, it's like, cause they get a massive acquisition fee. It's not like they make money on the backside. It's like, no, they make money up front. Yep. They make money in the middle. They don't make money in the. They do make money in the back end if you get your preferred return. But yeah. you're the investor stuck holding the bag on the backside. But that's where they're just so eager. It's like those people didn't learn their lessons. Well, they don't want to learn those lessons. It's bad. It's negative. I don't want to see that. After I finish this this little section of the article, I'll, I'll tell you a little story that of somebody that just got into some uh, in, into an interesting uh, investment. So many apartment investors believe they will survive a period of diminishing returns because they expect rents to rise at a faster rate, boosting their returns over time. So, you know, talk about being optimistic. Given that many tenants have already been pinched, the average rent for any rental unit rose nearly 17% from a prior year. And we know it's been a lot higher depending on which area you're living in. So even a minor crisis a minor crisis wave could have far-reaching consequences for the financial sector as there is no huge amount of money tied up in the retail uh, in the rental apartment sector according to the mortgage bankers association outstanding mortgage loans backed by multifamily buildings have more than doubled to 1.8 trillion since the financial crisis typically you want to you want the cap rate to be higher this is what's funny. You want typically 
you want the cap rate to be higher than your mortgage rate, but there has been a steady decline in these profitable rates since 2015. So not since right now, the pandemic, since 2015, there's been a decline. Now, most are buying at 3.5% cap rate with mortgages at over 4.5%. So that that was that, uh, what was that term again? Negative leverage, right? So that's what those negative leverage is like, oh, I get three and a half, but I'm paying the bank five and a half. And, and their, their solution is, you know, let's raise rents even higher to increase their cap. Uh, but how can they, when rents have already gone up so drastically? So you're looking at that. And this is what we were talking about. Like, this is what we consider to be gambling in the market, right? You are buying an investment that doesn't make sense because the numbers are tight, but you're saying, no, 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 it's okay. Because we're actually just going to, the way the market is going, we're going to just keep jacking up rents. And eventually this will make sense. So here's the issue that I see. If you are one of these massive hedge funds, one of these massive hedge funds or these banks that are buying these apartment buildings and all that, you can afford to take that loss temporarily. You can afford it, right? Because they're much longer term. It's like, I have a 20-year time horizon. Exactly. Exactly. So you can afford to do that. The issue is that the majority of the investors that we know, they're not major hedge funds. They're not big investors. They're local. They're small. They're grouping together a few attorneys or accountants or whoever have high incomes, and they're pulling them... Uh, through um, syndications and everything to get into this, hoping that they're going to do this. And there's an investor I actually ran into recently, and we were just talking about multifamily. We were talking about all this, and he's like, yeah, I've been curious about multifamily, so I actually invested in a syndication deal. And I was like, oh, how's it going? He's like, ah, not that good. He's like, we, we're not even getting our preferred return right now. He's like, they're, they're, they still have a lot of vacancy. They haven't been able to rent it out as they thought they would at the prices they thought they would. And I was like, damn. I was like, that's in this market, like we put a property out for rent. It rents in less than a week. Mm -hmm. So they are, that all that tells me is that you're severely overpricing those rents or to not be able to rent them. Or you're not, we know a few investors that do multifamily and they tell us that they're like, oh no, you don't need to do that much. You just clean it up, maybe put some carpeting and you put it back on the market for like $300 more because of this. And I'm like, those are bad habits you're getting into yeah. because you're not, you're not putting out a good product. You're just thinking just because people need a place to live, they'll rent anything. And it's going to get to a point where people are like, no, that's, that's a little too much. Oh, so they're doing it because they can it's mm -hmm. like what's going to increase with that is the amount of evictions that come out of that. Because like we've experienced it. Like I just rented one of our properties and the amount of people that were going for these rents or on paper, it's like, hey, you make the three times gross income and stuff like that. Okay, good deal. Let's go through, uh, get, go through the application process, show the house. Like I try to vet them as much as possible so I don't have to drive out to these houses as much. Get out there. All right, we're good to go. Do you like the house? Yes. Okay, here. And I send the email and I tell them up front, here's all the stuff you need to pay. And like, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then not but uh, twice on the same house, somebody got a hold of me and were like, hey, so can we make the security deposit and the rent and stuff over time? No. <laughs> and then I told them like, hey, here's the pet fee, here's the security deposit, and this is a prorated rent for May. And it's like, and that get our next payment's due in July, right? No, your next payment is due in June. Like you got to pay me up front for my security deposit and you got to pay me for the month you're going to rent it in May. And then June, you got to pay me for June. Like, 
you you're so greedy. You want to get paid every month. Oh, uh, but just like and like, oh, well, I can't afford that. It's like, oh my goodness, where everyone's like, they are paycheck to pay. They're one crisis away from not being able to afford the house. You do that in apartment buildings, and you're trying to jack these rents up, and you're like, just just get somebody in there, just get somebody in there. Well, foreclose like evictions cost you a hell of a lot more than just having somebody like spending the time and waiting to get somebody in there yeah. because now you got two three months of sitting there that a rent that you can't even drop the rent to get somebody in there like they're out and it's like and that's something that worries me when you have price increase like that you're gonna have evictions rise when evictions rise people start crying and freaking out because they have no affordable and it is t- it, it does suck and then who gets involved politicians yep politicians get in there and they have a problem because their voter base is they're catering to what the voters are saying and they start creating policies like, well, now that's what happened in California. If you look at it from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, like prices rose so damn fast last 30 years that all these policies came in. Whereas like the fastest price increases that also had the highest um, eviction cases that have some of the most like predatory laws written towards landlords, your coastal, like you have your New Yorks, your Washingtons, your Seattle, or your Washingtons, your Oregons, your Californias, New York, and um, DC areas, like yeah. That's where that stuff, because prices went up so fast that it's the story being played all over again. Nope. That's yeah. what worries me. Well, so here's, here's the advice. Um, take it for what it is, is if you are looking to get into the way, that it, if you're looking to invest into multifamily through syndication, what you need to do is what you need to keep in mind is you need to find good operators first. And good operators are not operators that started a year or two ago and they have one or two apartment buildings under their belt. You want to find somebody that's been doing this for more than just the pandemic era, right? Prior to the pandemic, you want somebody that's been doing this for five to 10 years that have done, you know, over 10 apartment buildings successfully syndicated, operated. They have the experience. Or understand your risk that you're taking and demand a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Because the <laughs> yeah. reason the reason I'm saying good luck with that is that it's not hard to find stupid money exactly, right now. Exactly. That's so just, so you you're if you do that, you're gonna lose out every single time, right? Because there is stupid money out there. But that's the point. It's okay for you to lose out because you're not going after a stupid investment. Yeah. Right. I'd rather you chase a smart investment. Find a good operator that has the experience. And then invest with that person, right? You're going to increase your odds of actually making money on these deals because like this guy was telling me, he says, look, the, the, the monthlies are fine and like the monthly cash flow and the draws they get, he's like, they're fine. But the reason we invest in multifamily is we want that two, three X of our money when that property sells, right? So they're looking for that uh, value appreciation, the, the rent growth, so the values go up and all of that. They're looking for that. And if you can't provide that, because you bought, you overpaid for a property, and your only hope is that you're going to be able to jack up rent astronomically just for the value of this property to go up. Like, you know, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying that you don't know yeah. if you can or can't, and that to me is is insane. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, it's gambling. Yeah. So that's our our, our little rant on multifamily. So. <laughs> I hope uh, that that helps you guys out. And if you have any questions and everything, like always, comment below. Make sure you subscribe. Um, That way you're not missing any of these uh, lives where we're covering all the strategies and things that we're doing. And and even then, that just reminded me, like, 
we're looking to get into multifamily ourselves. But what are we doing? We're cautious as hell. We're, we're, we're coming in. We're analyzing deals. We're analyzing properties. We're looking at things. We're getting educated. We're talking to people that have been doing this for years. Yeah. Not that just started a few months ago and they picked up a property and now all of a sudden they feel like they're well, multifamily that's coaches. Every, every, everyone on the topic of inflation and things like that, we can switch a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um Everyone's like, oh, but I got to do something with my money because inflation's beating it to death. And that pushes people into speculative investments. It says, well, I got all this money. I need to do something with it. I need to do something. I just can't have a cash sitting still like it's getting beat to death by inflation. Like, but being patient and cautious is still a good thing. And having the mental fortitude to be like, look, yes, inflation is high, but I'd rather wait. And have my money be depleted by, say, two years of inflation, say it's 10, 20%. To call it 20%, terrible. But I'd rather still have that money yeah. than put it into something that says, I'm going to get these returns and I'm going to put it to work, but it doesn't work and you don't get that money. And now your money's stuck in that investment. So let's say this market changes and it does drop or does get much more difficult and good deals start becoming available, but you can't get your money out. And when they do eventually sell that property, you only get 20,000 back versus the 40,000 you put into the deal. Yeah. So it's like being cautious, patient, and educating yourself in these times is very, very, very important. And I'd say it's even more important than any other time it's like oh just because you have money sitting account getting beat up by inflation earning 0.1 percent uh, on your bank cds or whatever it may be it's like but yeah that's still not a bad thing if you're watching the market to see when is a good opportunity to put something in with a great person that knows how to make you get that return yeah you still have the capital you still have the liquidity yep yeah and that, that's definitely one of the things that we, we were talking last night with our, our friend is that you know, he, he's invested, we're kind of looking at his portfolio, like he's invested in real estate, has a little bit of Bitcoin, some stocks, retirement. He's like, what do you guys think? I'm like, I think, you know, you, you're, you're good, you know, a, a little really heavy on real estate, which is fine. Because we're in real estate, it's kind of hard when you're yeah. in this business to not have heavy real estate. <laughs> but one of the things I told him, I was like, try your best to have more liquidity available because here's what... I'm looking at and this is everything that we're talking about is, you know, our, our opinion. Okay. So don't take this, you know, seek out your financial advisor, accountant, attorney, whoever it is that you need to talk to. You know, we don't do legal advice or accounting advice. We're not veterinarians. We're, we're just giving you our opinion. And the way that we look at it, the way that we see it is you need that dry powder because when a recession hits, we believe people are going to panic, people are going to freak out, and you're going to have some amazing opportunities. I think you're going to have people, especially in the commercial real estate space, you're going to have people freaking the hell out and selling for a lot less than what they're in it for. Because they're going to be thinking that this market is going to be tanking even further. Because that's usually what drives the market to tank further. Is people think it's going to crash, everybody starts offloading, and it crashes even more. right? So it's going to be something that I've, if it goes that direction, having liquidity, you're going to be able to pick up properties and you're going to be able to do deals at massive discounted rates. And if that doesn't happen, you still have the capital that you can just get into the market and invest anyway. Yeah. So either way, you're protected. You understand? Like that's that's kind of my opinion on it. Like, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I agree 100%. It's like... 
having some liquidity and it's also like if an investment starts to suck for two three years mm-hmm. and you do lose say uh, rents go down or prices go whatever it may happen don't and you can have the liquidity to shore that piece up shore that portfolio up and not have to sell the thing it's like selling only makes it worse that's why you have those booms and busts because people get over too over leveraged and they have to sell and for less than what they bought so having liquidity solves that problem Having the um, your reserves as a personal investor, be like, hey, I don't want to sell in my portfolio. I'm going to have some vacancies. I'm going to have some things where my portfolio is going flat or loses money. But I have liquidity and savings to hold that and withstand the storm or withstand the storm. Yeah. Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. So, But I wanted to touch on this article that, and this is not just one article. This is actually, I've seen it across the board in a few different ways, uh, a few different uh, places talking about it. You have real estate investors have been snatching up homes, preventing everyday buyers from getting a piece of the pie. Lawmakers and HOAs want to stand in their way. So you're going to, you're ha- we're starting to see cities and lawmakers and everything coming after investors because they're blaming investors for what's going on in the market at this moment. So the article goes to say, whether they're looking for long-term rentals or to make a quick flip, investors like Invitation Homes, the owner of 83,000 properties, and mom and pop operators are making it harder for people to compete when looking to buy in their own neighborhoods. Investors bought 33% of U.S. homes on the market in January alone, the highest percentage in at least a decade. And that's 33% of the U.S. homes on the market. Like, I imagine what it is, like, people like us that we buy off-market deals. Like, I'm sure it's, uh, we're, we're sanching up a lot of the, the inventory. Some of the investors have turned aggressive with their tactics, raising alarms from Newark, New Jersey, to Dallas and California state capital. And the way that they've been getting aggressive is it feels like we're being preyed upon, says uh, a homeowner, because they're uh, who's been batting away cold calls from investors urging her to sell her home. So investors are getting aggressive because they're cold calling. They're doing what we do as investors, right? We do marketing to try to get a hold of homeowners who may be interested in selling. And Newark, the mayor said that the city was considering legislation that aimed at preventing steep rent increases and urging the state to come up with a blanket policy to regulate institutional ownership. So North and then you have North Carolina, the state that has been, that has seen an influx of people from the Northeast homeowner groups are taking matters into their own hands. For example, the some uh, HOA, in North Carolina is taking on investors by proposing amendments to their covenants to insist that the buyer live in the home or leave it vacant for at least six months before renting it out. So the HOA is now trying to dictate what you can do with your property. They're coming in and they're basically bullying people out of their out with cash offers, says the president of the HOA. And bullying people out to take money, like yeah. that shut up and take my money thing. Like, I'll give you $300,000, even though it's worth two fifty. dollars Like, the seller does not, they're not holding a gun to their head and saying, sign the documents. It's like, yeah. I just put a stack of cash here. Like, you can take it or not. I'm not forcing you to do it. Like, money talks. That person wanted to sell. Exactly. Obviously. And it was like, you know what? I can take that money and I can do something else with it. I can move. 
Like, but, but it's it's the terms they use that upsets me, right? Because they 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 always use these terms to paint investors in such a negative light. You know that it's like they're bullying, they're being aggressive, they're doing all this. We know for a fact, and we have so many testimonials of people that are like, "Man, it, it was so great that I was able to work with you guys." You know, because you were able to give me what I needed. I didn't want to go on the market. I didn't want to deal with a retail buyer. I didn't want to deal with agents. We were able to help them out, you know, where other people couldn't have helped them. So we're not predators. We're not stealing homes from people. We're simply giving them an option, letting them know, hey, if you want to sell, we're interested in buying. Right. And here's the perks of selling to us. We pay cash. We can close quickly. You know, if you need more time in your home, you can stay in your home. We'll rent it back out to you. Or you can stay a few extra weeks so you have time to move. Like we're very flexible where retail buyers aren't. 